You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I'm joined today by Melissa Yoakum, who is the CEO and founder of High Beauty. Melissa, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, Laurel, for having me. I'm super excited. So share with us what High Beauty is, because it's really a family of brands, and there's so much to talk about, but give us the backstory. So I've actually been in the beauty industry for over 30 years, and I'm a chemist at heart, and everything that I do is formulating with organic and natural ingredients. I got intrigued with um, the cannabis plant and hemp plant back in like 2004, and High Beauty is a portfolio of skincare brands, topical brands, and we utilize hemp seed oil and some minor cannabinoids for results-oriented products. And that's been like a huge trend as of late. Is it because of regulation being relaxed or people found the benefits of that particular um, category? I'm just, I mean, I've been seeing it exploding, including your brand. So I, I would love to know a little bit more about the history. You know, I think cannabis as a whole has been a plant that people turn to for its, you know, wellness attributes always. And as, you know, the regulatory and legal landscape has started changing here in the U.S. and globally, um, people are really turning to the plant even more so. And cannabinoids are unique ingredients that I think people are finding the well-being, the results that they're looking for, whether it's CBD or CBN for sleep, or there's so many different cannabinoids. There's like 113 cannabinoids. So I think people are getting intrigued with what can we do with this that, you know, is an alternative, um, more of a wellness-oriented, natural approach to people's well-being. Um, I come at it from a pretty different perspective. I'm, you know, I'm really focused on the skin, basal layer out, and I've just always loved hemp seed oil. It's been in your local natural food store. You can go into Whole Foods and buy hemp seed oil for your salad dressing or, you know, hemp protein is available, um, you know, hemp milk even. So I've always been intrigued with that ingredient with all of its nutrients and vitamins and fatty acids and how that can really benefit skin cells as, you know, as we're trying to make our faces beautiful. (laughs) So that's how I got intrigued with it. (laughs) So take us through um, the different product lines that you have, because each does something so different and the packaging is so interesting and different on each of them. So like, let's walk through them all. So I, you know, my vision was how can I work with hemp in each of the channels within the beauty world? You know, you think of the prestige market, you know, like an Ulta or a Sephora, and that's where we we work with our high beauty brand. Um, And high beauty was really the first brand I brought into market um, in 2018. And it's got a very robust ingredient listing and chemistry behind what's in each bottle. 
Um, and I think of Can Be Naturally as our second brand we brought to market. In the simplicity of the ingredients, the price point is more um, value proposition, and it's available more in the mass drug natural food arena. And really the third brand that we, we are bringing out soon and will be um, reformulating and repackaging is our brand Blossom Organics. I just acquired that brand back into our portfolio. It's a brand, I it's feminine wellness, it's um, personal lubricant, um, organic personal lubricants that are, you know, FDA 510K approved. And I made that brand back in 2010. So I'm super, you know, excited wow. to have that back yeah, in the high portfolio. That's incredible. So what is the vision? The vision is to is world domination in each of these categories because, you know, we have a lot of, of beauty brands and we've got a lot of feminine wellness brands and, you know, we've had a, a mix of all those, but I, I haven't seen someone build a company like what you're building, which is this really big family of brands. You know, I think um, what I I think of global, you know, global distribution, and we do have global distribution with high. And I think of, you know, really being able to work with the hemp ingredients in a mindful way and having them available worldwide. I think that there is a place, you know, my focus has always been clean beauty. Um, you know, when I started back in the 90s, I, mean, I date myself, that's scary. But in the 90s, <laughs> don't worry, girl, I'm right there with you. <laughs> it's like crazy. I go, there's a, there was no term clean beauty. You know, we were we right. were fighting to get parabens out of products and there wasn't vegan products, you know, beauty without cruelty. I think of a brand I worked on and, you know, back in the day, these were new, new concepts and new ideas. And as you moved into the two, you know, 2004, there was the organic farm bill. And that really shifted where people could start working with organic ingredients. So I, I think what I've always been trying to do is how can we do something different inside the bottle where it's got a, a good ingredient for you? Like how can can we replace something and do it different where it's good for your your health and well-being and you know here i am in my 50s and i look at you know my nieces and and my stepchildren and they're like in an age group where they wouldn't accept you know a product that had animal ingredients right, it's table stakes it's like not yeah. allowed to even put that in your product which is great i mean it shows that we've had at least some small evolution right yeah it only took 30 years but definitely yeah. You think over the last couple of decades, you've seen things really shift and change and it, it's the benchmark now. So brands, mm -hmm. you know, you think of Target and Sephora, they're not bringing brands in. They, they make sure that they check the boxes and then they go from there. So you need to differentiate yourself because it's like being clean and natural just doesn't cut it. You can't just be that anymore. And it's like, you've got to work, you've got to be effective. Um, you know, you think of trend ingredients, but consumers need to understand why they need those ingredients, especially like hemp seed or, or any cannabinoid. It's like, why do we need to put that on our skin? What's the benefits? Totally. Well, talk us through the benefits. It was a perfect segue. It's almost as if you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I, it's, you're easy to talk to too. So it's kind of oh, fun. So 
I, um, you know, I, I think of hemp seed oil. I've always worked with plant oils. I, I love organic plant oils. Um, you know, I'm an oil lover as far as a product, like a facial oil, using it at night. And the key thing about that is, is absorption. You want to make sure you have large and small mm-hmm. molecule sized plant oils so that you get good absorption and you just don't have an oil sitting on your face. So over the years, you know, I've kind of honed in that chemistry and formulation expertise. And hemp is literally got one of the largest essential fatty acids. You think of omegas and almost everyone to the, at this point takes omegas as a supplement. Absolutely. And Mine this morning. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you got to do both. You know, you have to have it on an internal side and on the external side to oh, protect that. I need to add it. Good to know. Yep. So slather it on your face and take your, your supplements. So they meet at the basal layer is what I like to say. So hemp is just, it's, it's hemp seed oil specifically is kind of the hero oil that I work with. It's a heavy oil. Um, and I balance that out with a lot of other plant oils. We, we work with um, cranberry and cumin and broccoli and red grape and pomegranate. And Such then interesting you know, ingredients. You have some yeah, of the most interesting all- ingredients of everyone we've had on the podcast. Like who uses, who thinks about broccoli oil? Like what even is that? It's so bizarre. It's a crazy. It's rich in nutrients. And I mean, it's like, and we use small amounts of some of like cumin, the same thing where, you know, they say eat a rainbow and you know that each color Definitely. of the rainbow that you eat has different um, nutrient value to it. It's the same thing as to your skincare. And you look at some of these ingredients and where they come from. They, you, you, you kind of need to have a topical rainbow that you put on your face. I've never said that before, but um, I have never heard know. that before. I love that. I'm going to start, I'm stealing it from you. I'll give you credit, but I'm stealing that. That's fabulous. <laughs> it's a great differentiator point for you though. It's so true, right? Because there's like a sea of sameness in the skincare industry. And I love that. Rain, put, a rain, put a rainbow in your body, put a rainbow on your face. And that's well, your pride campaign I, right there. <laughs> and I know totally. And I love rainbows. That's a it's one mm. of my favorite like little emojis. So I, I think about it and it's, you know, the ingredients that are on the side of my ingredient listing, they come from all, you know, different plant sources. And, you know, making sure that you're giving your skin a multivitamin every day. When our skin cells are born laurel on our face, they pop off that basal layer and they're really in a process of just falling off your face and exfoliating. And what you need to do is protect that lipid barrier around the cell so those skin cells look pretty while, you know, they look beautiful while they're they're in the process of leaving your skin. You know, we schluff them off. So, yeah, (laughs) I heard that your skin actually completely regenerates like every 14 days or some something crazy like that, that you're actually completely new cell, like complete new cells. Is that true? You know, I think about that and I've heard so many different things. My, my, how I kind of say to everyone is for every year you are, it's about how long it takes for a skin cell to really make it to the surface of your face. So I'm 54. Imagine 54 days. That's a long time for those skin cells to hang out. And when you're in your twenties, <laughs> you get a new face every month, you know, 28 days. So I kind of, that's kind of how I look at, you know, a skin cell. And as we age, 
age, those cells are there longer. You need to exfoliate. You need to protect them more. There's a little more stagnation. You need to get more movement. You need to use ingredients that are going to boost that cellular turnover, take supplements that are going to help, you know, from the inside, hydrate those skin cells and make them really plump and happy, you know, before they pop off that basal layer. So that's my rule of thumb. That's what I use every year. Every year. Um, Melissa, we're going to take a really quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Mexi Craft Tequila Seltzer. It is a top shelf tequila seltzer made with craft tequila from Jalisco, Mexico, real juice, and sparkling water. Each can contains a shot and a half of premium Blanco tequila, which y'all know is my favorite, and no more than three grams of sugar for those of you watching that. You can get it in Whole Foods in Southern California or order it online at MexiSeltzer.com. Follow them on IG at MexiSeltzer and use Podcast 20 for 20% off your first order. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, we are chatting with Melissa Yoakum, who is the CEO and founder of High Beauty. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the product lines and how you came to create this amazing company um, that's just exploding on a global scale. Take us back in time a little bit. And um, did you have to fundraise? Like, what was that process like? Did you bootstrap? We have a lot of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs listening in who uh, are in this market or interested in getting into it. I'd love to hear how you like really actually founded the company and what your tips and tricks would be for others in the same space. Uh, I, I love, you know, I'm new to the fundraising with this company. I've, over the course of my career, I, you know, worked with Avalon and Alba and worked with, you know, the owners that handled all of that. And then with Juice Beauty, you know, my partner really, she, it was her priority. I just had to kind of come in and wow about the brand. And with High Beauty. You were the pretty face. You were the pretty face yeah, and made it easy because you wore your product. <laughs> Yeah, literally. And it was like, oh, this is what we're going to do. I'm so excited. You know, we're going to patent mm-hmm. juices, you know, this whole thing. So in this case, you know, I bootstrapped at the beginning and and early on, we had the opportunity to, to go into prestige retail online really quick because the kind of the cannabinoid market blew up. And even though we weren't a CBD brand, we were working with hemp. And, you know, we, I self-funded in the beginning and quickly really had some opportunities that required beauty business is not inexpensive. If you want to, if you want to be able to have a beauty brand, you need to be able to support your retailers and do those promotions and that marketing. And even when it's not just the promotion, I'm going to pause you for a second because it's not just the promotion and the marketing, which I love that you said that because obviously that's our day job, but it's all the inventory and production runs and packaging I mean, there's so much that goes into this industry. No, and that kills you. And as you're a startup, you. it's not like you can yeah. go out and get, you know, PO factoring for, for right. inventory. And again, such that takes a while. So, you know, in the beginning stage, we, we really had a lot of opportunity. And I did what's called the seed round and um, was, it was a new to it. And I have to say, I really loved fundraising. It was like building a cap table, you know, oh, who's on said that? No one ever. My God, who are you? You're a unicorn. Then, no, no, we got a long way to go. So it's kind of a <laughs> okay. crazy story because you think about it and it was like, okay, I, I want, you know, the best of beauty who can surround me and support me and has that expertise and business minded. And then most important, cannabis. It was like, I want that credibility that we are working with the hemp plant. 
And, you know, I, I was fortunate because we were um, in our seed round, we were approached, this was in 2019, by Canopy River. So we, one of the top, you know, cannabis funds, and we had the opportunity for them to invest and join my board. And, you know, from there, that initial seed round, you think of it, and to your point, it went to inventory. I built out the team. We were moving quick. We got the distribution and, you know, we really hit it hard from the U.S. and Canada. We got into Douglas in Europe and in Colt Beauty in the U.K. We went into Asia. I mean, it was insane what we accomplished between, you know, in a little over, built out the SKU mix from two products to, to five products and kits. And we had international packaging and regulatory done. And everything I just said, Laurel, is so expensive. Um, And especially, Yeah. yeah, and especially in the beauty world. So quickly, you know, to your point of the inventory, inventory is what ends up killing you because there's minimum runs and you need to buy. We work only in glass, you know, from a sustainability perspective. And it you, there's minimum runs, minimum minimums you need to order on inventory for your components. Um, we do all of that in-house and um, really trying to kind of go, how do I navigate the inventory piece? Um, we went into a bridge round uh, shortly thereafter just for an inventory build. And I ended up on March 5th, literally 2020, had the bridge ready to close. And then, you know, we had the Black Swan event, which back in the day, I wouldn't have even known what that was. And now, you know, fundraising, it's like, I'm like, oh my God, that's like changing everything. Um, And when we went into COVID, you know, I was in a bridge round and lost a majority of the bridge. So it was, it was a really hard hit to keep a startup that just had started distribution within the last three, four months. Um, It was way different than 2008 and having a beauty brand where we had door closures. So Mm -hmm. it was crazy. So fundraising is a, I try to say I put the fun back into fundraising and (laughs) I should make t-shirts or hats that say that. Um, you've, got a, and- you've got a couple winners today already. Like you've some really, you, you're, you're a marketeer at heart, I think. Oh, I, I do. I kind of see where, where it's going and how it's going to be on shelf long before, you know, I even figure out how I'm not, the bottle meets the shelf is, you know, what's those ingredients and how is it going to be perceived and received? So um, but no, well, for those that don't know, I want to pause you for another quick second. And can you share yeah. with us what is, uh, you were talking about factoring, right? You're talking about PO factoring. Like, what does that look like? And what is that actually at a foundational level? Cause level, cause, um, it was new to me back in the day in my MA days, but I think people listening in might not even know what that is. You know, in our world, the beauty world, you, you have, you, someone orders in a PO and then you ship and you invoice and then you get to wait. It's, you know, 30 to 45 to 90 days when COVID yeah. hit. We yeah, 30 if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, and 30 is rare. You know, that's like those little independents that you deal with. But it's most often to your good point is 45, 90. And then in COVID, it switched to 120 days. So you're shipping product and then waiting 120 days for your retailer to pay their invoice. 
And factoring allows you to um, sell that that receivable, and you know they they give you a percentage of the receivable the day you ship the product. So you know you ship a hundred thousand dollar order, you get seventy thousand in the day you ship, and you can use those funds right away. And the PO factoring company owns that receivable; they receive the the payment. And, um, you know, it's it's hard, especially to be a startup and get that, you know, getting the right rates and terms and, you know, not having to give up your firstborn child. And, you know, it can be so, expensive money for sure. <laughs> but it, it really allows you that, you know, bandwidth. Otherwise, you're the, you get caught in that cycle of building inventory and sitting on, you know, products on shelves, waiting for sell through, waiting for your invoice. It's just, it's a crazy world when you get into it can literally kill a small business. It can mm-hmm. literally kill a small business. So I, I love that you brought that up because I think that those are the nuanced things that that new entrepreneurs listening in don't know about. And that's what can, like I said, literally kill a small business. So thank you for sharing that. Um, what other big tips and tricks do you have along the way? Like what are your big, some of your biggest lessons? You know, I think you, uh, I, I spoke of having a beautiful cap table, but you, so many entrepreneurs and founders lose so much of their company just to bring capital in. And, and equity capital is expensive in the long run. It may seem like it's not, but you build out a cap table and you dilute yourself. And next thing you know, some some great entrepreneurs own you know less than 5% of their company that they started. So there's got to be a fine balance of, I, I think, you know, how much do you give up on equity raises and capital to get that capital in? And can you balance that out? Is there a balance with more of, you know, carrying some debt? But again, you're a startup. So how do you build that and navigate that? Fortunately, I've had, you know, a great team of legal people around me and, and advisors and board that have been able to really help me. Um, I'm pretty tenacious, so I, I, I'm in front of everyone talking to so many people to be able to get opportunities. But, you know, really, how do you balance all of that and also achieve what you need? I had two years of COVID where we I had a team of six people. And how do you how do you balance all of that and make sure that you you keep you've got responsibilities? And so, you know, I, I that's probably my biggest lesson is your cap table getting unwieldy and in each person on that cap table is going to be with you for a very long time until you exit or till there's a shift and making sure that those are people that you're day in day out, you're going to be dealing with, um, you know, intimately in a lot of instances. So making sure you build that out right and, and are not just taking money for money, but taking value added money that comes from people that, bring something to the table and can really help, you know, be a part of the team. So mm, it, it's that. a lot. It's, it's a yeah. lot. You know more about this than even I do. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, 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 thank you. I mean, I, I put it in even more layman's terms, which is like, there, there's a lot of stupid money out there, right? There's a lot, not all money is smart money. So I think yeah. I love that you po- point that out. And I think as entrepreneurs, especially as you're growing, you get dollar signs in your eyes, you get blinded by your cap table or potential cap table. And to your point, you really need to be smart about who that money you're taking that money from. Are they strategic? How are you diluting yourself, et cetera? I think those are all su- such important points. Thank you for sharing those. We're going to take another really quick break. We will be right back. Are you ready to elevate your brand, but not quite ready to sign up with an agency? 
We're not mad about it. In fact, we think it's a really smart marketing move to make sure that you're ready before you spend those big marketing dollars. And since we're such a solutions-oriented team, of course, we came up with a solution for you. We created a nine-course educational webinar series that will kickstart your marketing strategy. This series was made for startups and small businesses who want to implement strong branding and establish smart marketing strategies from social media to search and beyond. Sign up today, take our free course to test us out, and elevate your brand in 2022. All right, chatting with my friend Melissa Yocum, CEO and founder of High Beauty. We're talking about uh, your very up and down uh, fundraising process and how that happened over a very challenging time for most entrepreneurs. Um, what do you do on a daily basis to inspire you to drive the top line of the business? Because like you could have just you know, folded, you could have crawled into a hole and drank rosé, you could have done a lot of different things, but you push forward and you are now crushing it with multiple brands in this space. So how do you push yourself to do that? You know, I think I, I had a vision of something I wanted to do. And there's two words, vision and responsibility. Um, I, I wouldn't allow it to fold. I've got people that are committed. I'm committed to them and people that believed in my vision and supported me in that, whether it's employees or investors or advisors across the board, you know, my employees also are on our cap table. So I think it, it's that responsibility to, to see things through. And I love what I do. So maybe passions, Laurel's the third word, because yeah. I truly mm -hmm. love what I do. And I did have a vision of what I wanted to do with these brands. And I took the time even during that hard time of, you know, a pandemic to be able to to focus in and get some stuff done mindfully that I don't think we would have been able to do, you know, to acquire a brand and, and to build out another brand for mass market, we would have been moving extremely fast and we got to do things at more of a mindful pace. Um, so I think those are my cut, probably my three key words is that I had a vision and, and that responsibility to the people around me and my passion. I mean, I'm not going to let it go. It's, it's something I love and I want to see it through. And, and, and I, I love what I do every day. It gets hard, but I really do love it. <laughs> I agree. It's really funny. I um, At the end of the conversation, which is right around now, I uh, switched to more of a human-based conversation and I ask a bunch of quick-fire questions. And the last question is always, what's your favorite word? And you just already answered that with three. See, this is the problem is you're just too efficient for your own darn good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think all those words were very, very relevant. Um, uh, my other questions around you as a human uh, are things like, What's the one thing you couldn't live without during the pandemic and you can't say any of your own products? Ah, uh, no product related. I'd probably say my my garden and my animals. I know that's crazy, but it kept me so I don't know if people answer that way. But no, I have, absolutely do go. I have rescue dogs and chickens, Rosie, Thelma, and Louise and my garden. Yeah. So I have fresh eggs every day and um, I just kind of have a brood around me that, you know, and oh, yeah, dear family, yeah, my good family were near, near us. We were all together. So it was pretty good. When my, when we were in the heart of the pandemic and it was hard to get anything, I actually made my husband go to a farm to pick up fresh eggs because you couldn't get them anywhere. Um, <laughs> that's something you will never forget, but I would totally own chickens. 
they are fun. They're like, it's crazy. I call myself a chicken whisperer trying to figure out the psychology of these chickens getting along. They have like this crazy pecking order. You can learn a lot from chickens figuring out their pecking order. (laughs) It's crazy. Hilarious. Uh, my next question is, what's your vice of choice? If you're having a, a hard day and you need to unwind, what's what do you, what's your go-to? Oh, um, I don't know if people are supposed to say that, but probably Pinot Noir, no, but not too much of it. But I would say I'm up in the wine country, and, you know, I, I think wine is probably my vice of choice, keeping a good balance, though. We have some amazing good wine up here. Um, it's really very lucky. Things, so... Uh, last question. If you could wave a magic wand and have anything happen for your company, what would that look like? Oh, the deal I'm trying to close now to get the MOU in place and just be ready to go and turn all the levers on because I've got them all ready to go. And um, we've been, you know, approved for a, a indigenous, the woman founded ESG focused debt facility. And just the timing has taken some time, but we've got the deal to the point of MOU. So if I could get that deal done in the next 30 to 60 days, I would be thrilled. That's so exciting. You mentioned being an indigenous woman. How have you leaned in on to that as a founder? Has it affected or changed or evolved how you've led? So I am part Cherokee, very um, blonde hair, blue eyed. It's not, it's not an indigenous um, carry through. So I am mostly Irish, and um, it's interesting because I spoke of the facility in, in Indigenous Woman. It's really female founded. Um, they do a lot with more indigenous, very focused indigenous tribes and groups that are doing projects and try to get money in hands there. But just being a woman, period. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, what you're trying to achieve and you look at the statistics of even how much of a, how much equity is given up from women entrepreneurs versus, you know, more male dominated, um, and finding the right women to have around you, even on your board and as advisors, it's, it, it, these are the choices that I think we really have to focus in on and make and helping each other. Um, you know, I'm surrounded by an amazing group of women founders and, and mentors, and I have an amazing group of men also around me. So um, I don't know if I'm really answering all the question, but <laughs> I think women bring emotion to it all. That's also an intuition that's very different. So it, I could talk. This could be a whole nother whole nother podcast, Laurel, if I, I got going on some of these things. <laughs> totally. We'll invite you back. Well, lastly, any final words of wisdom for your audience? And then, of course, share with us where we can find your amazing products. No, well, thank you. Um, Highbeauty.com and canbenaturally.com are our, our two websites for our two brands. And um, words of wisdom are, you know, I, I really feel kindness is live your day each day as if it's, it's going to be your last and act from kindness. And I think that's how we can change this world. So I love that. It makes me happy to hear other people try and bring a little joy and positivity into the world, which you have certainly done today, Melissa. Thank you so much for the time. No, I appreciate it, Laurel. And you take care and I'll talk to you soon for sure. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Stay tuned for more from Elevate Your Brand coming up next.